Welcome to the Amp Holy Trinity, Marshall, Fox, and Fender, Part 2, a tone podcast produced for the Musician's Lab. Once again, Harry and Tomas are joined by Amp guru and guitarist, Bruce Marcolina, and they continue their conversation, discovering the players that help to define each of these three amps' classic sound. What about the difference between Class A and uh, verse uh, AB? Basically, a Class A is designed in a way that, uh, that the power tube is always on. It's ready to accept anything that's thrown to it. Its voice is a little more growly, so to speak, just a bigger, fuller sound. Compared to a Class AB, a push-pull type circuit, <laughs> which is, is going to be a more efficient output, you can get more more power out of a Class AB circuit than a Class A. It's going to basically be bigger, fuller, cleaner sounding in an AB versus an A, which is crunchier, Big. fuller, grindier. Right. It has no bearing on SAG, does it? The AB? No, that's a separate issue that's related to, uh, to the rectification of the amplifier, whether it's a tube or a solid state. Hmm. I wanted to interject if I yeah. could. Maybe uh, Bruce would have an example of uh, a Class A amp that yeah. maybe all of us have heard and an example of what an AB is. Well, um, the uh, classic Class A is a Vox AC30. You got the Vox AC30 and the Kinks. What about the AB? What would be an example of AB amps? Is, is, is a Fender? AB, AB is, is Fender Marshall. Okay. Um, most of their line, I mean, the, 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 smaller, the smaller amplifiers like Champs and uh, the early 18-watt Marshalls are Class A. And, and okay. it has to do with, uh, again, uh, power output, hmm. what, what the guy's trying to accomplish. Okay. So uh, up to about 30 watts, Class A is a an option up to 50 once you break that line and go up towards 50 and more uh, it's more efficient and the durability is more uh, you know it'll last longer less stressful on the circuit to use mm. ab output I see. I see. design how about the difference between tube and transistor that's a an important thing what's really interesting is occasionally there's a company that'll come out with the design of a transistor amp that sounds really pleasing personally to me. I remember uh, the Pierce amps and the Lab Series amps mm-hmm. had a really nice smooth overdrive. Mm. But uh, it's it's really strange how they could accomplish that, mm. and yet the uh, you know what we think of in a transistor amp is that really kind of unpleasant clipping and that buzzy sound. Yeah. Um, but they seem to have a technology that has changed over the years. Well, it's yeah. it's an extension of the, uh, I hate to call them bad marshals, but different marshals. They're not starting with the 900 series. What they did was use diodes, which are solid state technology, use diodes in the line of, in the gain stage. Mm. And what they did was clip that signal. They gave you a, a, a gain control in addition to your volume control. That gain control determined how hard you were going to clip the signal. Mm. Uh, So it was a balance. It's an extension of that. Uh, A tube or a a distortion signal is a clipped signal, as they say, Mm. a distorted signal. And the trick is to find 
harmonic content that is pleasing. There's various ways to do it to clip this signal. And people like Pierce, PV, uh, you name them, they have had various successes in being noted as a good sounding transistor amplifier that can make some decent overdrive. I actually remember a very early Scott Henderson was a PV Special 130 transistor amplifier. And was it, was it really? Absolutely. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So a lot of amps nowadays, and, and this is going, I shouldn't say nowadays, I'm sure back in the 70s, or I don't, you guys can tell me when it, when it started, are really combinations of tube and transistor, especially the high gain stuff. Most, well, it's not fair to say. Some high gain stuff is, is a combination. Uh, Marshall's latest offerings uh, incorporate you know, various transistor gain stages. Then there's people like uh, Soldano, for example. Their gain stage is a is an extra tube or two in, in line uh, with control over that, or mm. he, he determines how much gain he's gonna put out of that particular stage. Again, it's just another way of creating a distorted signal early on in the preamp section. What about Boogie? I know Boogie is one of the, you know, groundbreaking you know, offshoots of Fender, right? Am I right? Here's one of the first guys I know to record with the Mesa Boogie, and it's Carlos Santana. Fender they were That's it. Yeah. Um, when he wasn't working on, I think it was uh, not BMW, maybe it was uh, Mercedes engines, I think. Wow. Something like that. And uh, Did they go to 11? Uh, <laughs> after he was done with them, apparently they did. Cool. <laughs> but he, uh, he was working at a music store in uh, San Francisco, I believe, repairing amplifiers. When he would uh, have to repair a Fender amplifier, he would charge a dollar a minute, and huh. the story is that <laughs> it never cost anyone any more than ten dollars to for him to. <laughs> wow! So he knew those intimately, and uh, I think everyone knows the story about uh, him uh, modding a Fender Princeton. He basically ripped out the transformers of a of a Princeton and installed a basement transformer <laughs> set. Wow. Changed six. V6s to 6L6s. Now this thing was putting out 50, 60 watts. Wow. And someone walks in the door and says, wow, this thing really boogies. And he kept the name and off he went. Wow. So that's the history of that. But yes, directly related to the fenders. And uh, the only difference he really did was just to put another gain stage, which uh -huh. was other tube in front of a fender circuit and put a volume knob on it and that's what you wind up with so the, the guitar signal is hitting this separate gain stage and you're determining how much signal you're going to pass on down to the rest of the amplifier there's one of the early cascading preamp amplifiers and that's, and that's a, was uh, boogie a, yeah was that the first or, or it do you is know the first. It is, is it the first? first oh cool yeah what about, uh, didn't Boogie have something to do with the beginning of channel switching? Yeah. Well, the, those first amplifiers, you know, you had a choice. He gave you a choice, and it was related to the input jack. Uh, you could plug into the normal input jack, and you were basically playing a, a basement 
combo. Mm. Uh, or you plugged into the other jack that went through this additional gain stage. Hmm. And uh, at the time, you used an AB pedal to switch between the two channels. Okay. But, but sometimes uh, that, that becomes noisy. Guys were saying, you know, it would be great if you could put this you know, within the circuit and just put a, a button we can push. So he, uh, he got these uh, relay devices, is what they're called, hmm. and integrated them into that design. And when you wanted to clean, um, it routed the signal into the clean side. When you wanted the dirty side, it routed the signal into that. Hmm. And uh, to my knowledge, he's the first guy that created this channel switching. Right. And off it went from there. How about Dumble? I know Dumble's noted as an offshoot of Fender as well, right? Here's Sonny Landris Dumble. It is. I mean, it's it's uh, basically his version of a of a Fender Twin. Uh, with this added gain stage and, and control mm. over it. Uh, the difference uh, between him and Boogie is Boogie put it on the first gain stage and Dumble's putting it in the second or third gain stage, I believe, depending on where that gain stage is related to the circuit determines mm. the, uh, the sound of it. Right. Now, Dumble is, uh, has the reputation and uh, if you ever hear anybody who's playing it, a Dumble amp uh, has the smoothest uh, distortion you've ever heard. Mm. And that's why guys like Larry Carlton and Robin Ford and Sonny Landry, uh, aside from from their amazing guitar playing, are also noted for the tone. Mm. And a lot of guys now are trying to capture that uh, Dumble tone and have uh, varying su- success with doing that. Mm. So, uh, yeah. How about Marshall? Uh, notable Marshall um, based amplifiers you know oh geez there's tons of them you know Wagner Germano everybody nowadays you know it's a it's a tribute to those three manufacturers that uh, they've become icons everyone everyone is trying to emulate those sounds right there's lists of people who are trying to copy fenders uh, Marshalls and in the boxes so you got Bodners and Soldanos and Germinos and mm-hmm. God, there's a long list. Lots of the same thing. Matchless, uh, right? Matchless. Uh, a guy like uh, uh, I give credit to a guy like uh, like Doctor Z. Here's a Doctor Z with Brad Paisley. <laughs> So Doctor Z isn't a direct, you know, copy. He's of not. One. A, he's not a direct it's, copy. He's used used parts of the parts of the circuit to capture the flavor, but he's uh, doing his own thing. Mm. He's bringing his experience to the design of the amplifiers that are that are sort of emulating uh, these three classics under Marshall and Brock. There's so many of these uh, new companies coming up. You know, guys are making these amps in their garages and and whatnot. Uh, and there, there's there's some really good ones. There's mm. this uh, brown note, the brown note amplifier, yeah, yeah, and a gentleman named Moss, and he uh, he makes a really nice Vox voice amplifier as well as Dumble 
Uh, some pretty cool stuff coming out now. Yeah, that's one of the guys going for the, the double sound. I only played up. through one, but I, I loved it when I played through it. Yeah, they sound great. How about 65? 65 is, uh, starts off uh, ripping off uh, an 18-watt Marshall. Uh, huh. It's basically an 18-watt Marshall circuit with a few tweaks. That's basically what it is. He's gotten uh, inventive with his power attenuation, where he can vary the uh, the actual sound. He's still driving the amp. You're, you're, you're adjusting the volume. Of the hmm. Doing all these tricks in between to give the amp some more versatility. That's where he's coming from. I have a question. How about any, this is an amp that uh, you know you don't hear much about anymore, but I, I've uh, always always associated with the Who, a high watt. Oh yeah. High watt, high watt is like a super duty Marshall Major. Is what uh, Marshall ultimately uh, made a 200 watt amp. Used uh, six uh, EL30. No, it was KT88s, I believe. Mm-hmm. KT88s, 6550s, uh, same family. Um, yeah, he was. They were making 200 watt uh, amplifiers, which wow. is big and clean. High watt is going for super robust, highly detailed sound. Mm. Listen to uh, any Townsend later, later who 70s, uh, right? 70s. Oh, Jethro Tall as well. And here's a high watt with Jethro Tall. Jeff Hotel, really? High watt? Yeah, yeah, Martin Farr used high watt. Yeah. I didn't know that. Great um, tone there. Did they make did they have a whole different line? I'm sure they did of amps. Not only the high gain, did they have any like Yeah, tone? they had uh, I think they went down as far as thirty watts. I shouldn't have said high gain. Loud, not only the loud. Yeah. <laughs> thirty watts is loud. Thirty yeah. watts is loud, yes. One watt is loud. Yeah. It's uh, all about efficiency, right? It's all about efficiency Good and headroom. Uh, yeah. how much uh, how much space you have to fill. Uh, if you're in a small room, you don't need a lot of wattage to be yelled at by right. a significant other. Right. Uh, <laughs> Isn't it true that uh, a hundred watt amp is perceived to be twice as loud as a ten watt amp? It is. It, 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 that it is. freaks people out when you say that. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's only to double the, the volume is all you need is three dB. Right. Now, I say all you need. That that becomes quite a task at times, but. What you notice between a 10-watt amp versus a 100-watt amp is all in the bottom. It's all in the bottom, yeah. All in the bottom. Once you've been there, you want it all the time. Right. Uh, You know, any experience with a twin, yeah, it's going to be big and clean. But when you go down to even a 50-watt, pick a Super or a Pro Reverb, the bottom's not there. The breadth of the bottom, the broadness isn't there. there. Everything else is, but it's directly related to the bottom. But the basement still seems to have that big, full, rich tone at 50 watts. Oh, absolutely. The basement, yeah, definitely. But you put a twin beside it, and you'll notice it'll be Uh, immediate, the the difference. You'll notice it. So stay away from those 100 waters, kids. You've been listening to part two of the Ampoli Trinity, Marshall, Fox, and Fender, a tone podcast produced for The Musician's Lab. Be sure to check out all our podcasts at www.themusicianslab.com and the iTunes Store.